Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Hi, I'm Shayna. And I'm Bryce. And this is Charmed, Charmed, a a Spellcast. Hey you listening there, have you heard about the witches with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls? Demon-infested world They're the Charmed Ones They're the Charmed Ones They're the Charmed Ones Charmed! A spellcast! Felt really good about that one. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Feels good to be back. And uh, out of sync on our call, but presumably in sync on the pod. Yeah. And it's really fun to be introducing our podcast again, which is featuring an episode that has nothing to do about the namesake of our podcast. No, well, it has a lot to do with it, but it's not about it. Um, uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> For this episode... I was trying to, was trying to do it. <laughs> no, no, I felt, I felt like I... I could get what you were getting at, which is that for this episode and this episode only, it is things that are like Charmed. A spellcast. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. That's, <laughs> I think this is, this is things that are like Charmed, a spellcast, number one. Nice. I, this, um, I have a very, um, very random word association with that, but that, that phrase, that title reminds me of, uh, turnips or like pictures of turnips that look like humans and it's like turnips with like two roots so they look like their legs are crossed (laughs) so things that look like humans but are not yeah so things that look that are like charmed but are not but are not welcome to the turnip show (laughs) Uh. turn up good okay turn up the beat turn down turn turn back turn back all ye who enter here we need our veggies Lettuce, turnips, and beets. Let us turn back from... Whence we came. Yes. Okay, the end. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to this this podcast. Uh, As you might be able to tell, we're a little bit uh, out of practice. We're a little bit rusty. Or you may not be able to tell, which means that we sound like this every time. (laughs) And to your ears, this might be our most seamless intro. That's true. Wow. Uh, you know what? I like the relentless optimism, Bryce. <laughs> um, would Would you like to explain what we're doing on this episode? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it my best. Um, earlier, okay. I was on a phone call with someone, and someone was like, would you like to talk about yourself now? And I said, yes, I will talk much, because you talked much, and now <laughs> I talk much. And it all went downhill after that. Um... Okay, so so today we have returned to your ears, dear listener, because we want to do a little final end-of-the-year special for you. So we're not reviewing an episode of Charmed this time, but we're going to be reviewing a movie called Bell, Book, and Candle. It came out in the 50s. Shayna lent me her Criterion channel password so I could log in and watch it. Oh my god, don't tell them. Criterion might be listening. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I bought my own, my subscription. And, um, yep, it was paid for entirely by, by I. <laughs> paid much. <laughs> I paid much for it. Uh, did I do good? Yeah, you did great. Thanks. That's right. Uh, you who are subscribed to us for God knows why, um, you're not getting what you wanted. <laughs> I just have to uh, deal not- with that. You are getting what you paid for, though, because you paid nothing. So we give you nothing. <laughs> it's a good sign. Um, but yeah, to to kind of ease back in uh, to the podcasting spirit and to also present a slightly themed uh, episode because this is this is a a Christmas movie that we're talking about. But fear not, it has very little to do with Christmas. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of snowy and sometimes there are carols. Yeah. Uh, but we we thought we would give something completely different, um, which is Bryce and I making eloquent, analytical, and uh, insightful arguments about a piece of media. 
I know that might be a change, but we're going to we're going to give it our best effort and we hope you stick along with us. We wanted to do something a little out of the ordinary and also I've just been having fun watching a bunch of old movies and I thought it might be a nice thing to try to attack a movie that has a radically different viewpoint on media than a 90s 2000s TV show. Um, but still, weirdly, as similarly reductive uh, ideas about witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Perhaps even more reductive? The 50s? More reductive than the 90s? Uh, you may be surprised, dear friend. I am surprised. Uh, everyone saying that that was the golden age. But let me tell you, not a good time for movies about witches. Yeah, and I, I for one, am really excited to re-enter the podcasting world with uh, just like a fun light um, special, a holiday special if you will uh, with Shane and I Um, and I can't wait to talk much we will soon talk much yes, soon, but in the meantime turn this off immediately yeah, why why Um, did you tune back in? yeah, no, come back, sorry we missed you, I know you're getting a lot of mixed messages and that's because I'm trying to prepare you for this movie Ooh, ooh, great segue. Yes, thank you. But before we talk about the movie, we should talk about our other favorite subject, ourselves. Yes, let's talk about us, baby. Let's talk about you and me. That's... Let's, no, let, let's talk about... Um, no? I don't know the rest of that song. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about us. Good. Okay, this was all a ploy to get Bryce to sing. <laughs> oh, God, we're, we're going to cut that out. Um, no. I'll, I'll heavily I auto-tune prefer... it. It's just like, it sounds like a robot singing. Actually, I would really like that. Can you do that for Hanukkah for me? Oh, man. Can that be my present? I honestly don't know how to auto-tune anything. I think I need software for that. Oh, okay. Never mind. Maybe next year. Oh, I know what a really good uh, holiday story will be. I will buy you auto-tune so you can auto-tune your singing that for would next be, year yeah, to make be very fun. my holiday present. I'm into it. Okay. So anyway, um, what's up with yourself, Bryce? Oh, myself. It is It is what it is. I think. I think things are in a relatively okay place for me right now as as there have been much ups and downs within this past year. But I think we're, we're kind of in a flat plane right now, which is good. That's not to mean that we're, like, stagnant or anything. It means that we have um, recovered from losses and we are moving forward to look towards gains in the future. Um, you and I were supposed to go back to our home state for the holidays, but we had to cancel that because of rising cases of COVID around the states. So mm-hmm. we'll just have to do some wintry uh, celebrating here. And yeah. in our separate houses. Yes, and not actually in contact with each other, or talking to each other, or thinking about each other. <laughs> well, I did get a really fun ha- uh, Hanukkah gift for you, and I'm excited to one day present it to you. Oh my gosh! Oh no! This is very nerve-wracking. Yeah, I got set a, the a bar fun high. one for you, but it's small. It's very tiny. Okay, mine should be um, not. I don't know. It's probably, like, regular box-sized. Oh, no. No, like, regular box, like, a box of, of, of Pop-Tarts. Okay, I, I, I got okay, your Pop-Tarts. I would love that, actually, <laughs> if you wrapped it with a little bow. Uh, yeah. Listener, tune in at the beginning of our next episode to find out if we ever got presents to each other and what they were. And if one of us cried... We always cry. So Yeah, that's true. Shayna, what how have yeah. how how you? How have been? Oh god. Um I think anytime I'm asked that question, it's it's answered similarly in sort of a state of panic. <laughs> um which is I guess okay. And it's it's kind of a like I don't want to worry you, but I also don't want to speak flippantly about the state of the world and of my personal environment but also i've taken up too much space already so that that that's kind of my 
my headspace at any given time is um there's there's too much that's happening all the time mm-hmm. everything happens and so much every everything happens so much always and i would like it to not um however it has other plans so i have been alternating between stagnancy and uh bursts of activity and job search and oh since since the last time we podcasted um i finished up a job as a programmer as a film programmer for uh for a film festival which was a really wonderful result i was so proud of of the festival lineup but kind of the last month has been slowly recovering from that because it was an immense amount of energy stuffed into about two and a half months um and i feel aged uh from that so it's been recovering while also trying to plan for the future while also being uncertain of the future which i think was something we touched upon in our in our previous episode um and really have touched upon in in every episode even even before the pandemic brought such things so presently to mind but uh all all that aside there have been some really lovely things as well um for for the food not bombs chapter in brooklyn that i've been volunteering with i learned how to make empanadas oh dang i love empanadas yeah, it was awesome. Um, and they were vegan empanadas, too. So it was my first time working with a butter, like, pastry dough. But I did it with vegan butter. Whoa. I don't know if that makes it, like, better for you in any way. I don't think so. You know what? I don't <laughs> think so. But it did It did feel really fun. And it was pretty labor-intensive. But I just felt really proud. And, like, I had accomplished something. And I ended up making about 30 empanadas with... Um, with a, a spiced lentil and squash filling, and it was delicious. Wow, I I mean, so, you did accomplish something. You gave back and nourished people, but I think you also nourished yourself and your soul while you're recovering from uh, the stress of ten years being taken off your life. Yes, I definitely nourished myself um, very concretely, and yes, Bryce uh, Bryce has been party to the 10 years being taken off my life and has uh, yelled at me a little bit about it, which I appreciate. A light yell. Um, a very light yell. A light yell. A very, a very compassionate, very caring yell. That's a, a yell of someone who wants to like take you by the shoulders and shake you and just give you a little shake, but won't do it because they know you're fragile. But also will want um, to give you a very big hug and hold you, hold yeah. you close. Exactly. And I'm forever thankful for that. But I could feel the shake. It was there. <laughs> and it was helpful. And I would like to dedicate this segment of the podcast to the friends who will tell you uh, what you need to hear rather than what you might want to hear. Hmm. So this segment is for you, Bryce and others. And I, I gotta say that... Um while watching you go through this experience, I've also seen you grow a lot in terms of recognizing, I mean, you always, I feel like you've been learning a lot about your self-worth these past couple of years, but like, especially learning how to stand up for yourself in a professional environment and then think about what you can do for yourself to pursue your career that doesn't rely on others, um, like personal projects has been really um, inspiring. Aw, thank you, Bryce. Oh yeah, speaking of personal projects, Um, That's another kind of exciting thing that stands out amongst the muck is that um, I've been thinking over several different gay film related sort of side projects that I am choosing to make more apparent in my life and more important in my life. And um, I shan't reveal them yet because I'm paranoid of talking about something and then it not happening. But... Uh, when something is available, which will hopefully be in the new year, you, dear listener, Liana Kindler, will know all about it. <laughs> yeah, and I am positive our listeners are very hyped to hear about what that surprise could possibly be, and are also very frustrated that you have this glimmer of self-doubt that it 
that you don't want to say it out loud because you're afraid it might not ha- happen. And listener, don't worry. I will be whisper yelling at her and shaking her virtually to get her to get it done. Oh, good. I can always count on you. And so can our listeners. Uh, um, but yeah, those are those are two small things that have made me feel a bit better. But I think in a very realist uh, kind of mode that we kind of slip into for this for this podcast because eh, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't specifically for us. Um, things are terrifying. Things are really, really scary. A lot of the time we're now 10 months into what? Nine months into the pandemic? I don't know. Time is a flat circle. Um, but we are a not insignificant time into our way of life being very much altered and not a lot of federal or state level solutions being offered up. Um, everything seems to be in flux and somehow we keep going. So that's something that's both terrifying and frustrating and also somewhat inspiring that we are able to adapt in many ways and carry on and ask for help from our closest friends and family, whoever might be able to support us and give that help in return. Yeah. Beautifully said. I by no means have discovered it, but I am learning yet. Yes. Life can go on even when it feels like there's a lot overwhelming you at the moment. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, um, the last thing I'll say kind of on that front, aside from the usual urge to find out what's going on around you and ways to be connected to the people who are physically close to you. Um, even if it can't be in like what you would consider the normal way is that something that has been very helpful has been instead of like mindlessly zoning out, I guess, to pieces of media or like trying to decompress in ways that completely, uh, have you detached from where you are physically. Something that I found to be extremely emotionally rewarding has been putting on a movie or a TV show or something or reading a book and getting really, really into it. Um, and like experiencing the full breadth of emotion and buy-in with a narrative. Um, so that's, that's been something that's been just really, really lovely for me. Hmm. I like that. I like the flipping on its head of in times of trouble, don't get numb, get more invested. Yeah. It can still be escapist. Um, and, and watching something that is not actually applicable to your situation, but it just feels really nice to, to have that sort of cycle of catharsis. Yeah. 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 Cathartic was exactly the word that I would use for that. Yeah. It's like I read your mind. (laughs) Well, well, we took your advice that you mentioned just now and went back in time and decided to watch a whole whole dang movie and then uh, yes. talk about it. Yes, and uh, this one, uh, you know, you can get really invested in it if you want to. Um, but you know what, Bryce? Why don't we just talk about our thoughts and, and we I can stop being cagey. <laughs> okay, let's talk much. Let's do it. Oh, hi, Bryce. Oh, hi, Shana. You know how we've always said that we've got the best sponsors in the world? Those were fake. We don't have any sponsors. For once, you are incorrect. We have the best sponsor in the world, especially if you're looking for creative, comfy, silly, but earnest movie merch. Super Yaki has original t-shirts, sweatshirts, pins, National Treasure, Spy Kids, Nora Ephron, Star Wars, Judy Greer, Josie and the Pussycats, Jordan Peele, John Carpenter, and so much more. Bryce, do you have a favorite design? Oh, heck yeah, I do. I really love their dad hat that says music by John Carpenter on it and is in a nice burnt orange color. Ah, you look like such a good dad in that. Heck yeah, I do. You're doing great, kids. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. 
And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERFRIEND, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. So that's SUPERFRIEND, S-U-P-E-R-F-R-I-E-N-D. So check them out. Get yourself a new outfit to spice up your comfy movie binging quarantine lifestyle and support the USPS. What could be better? Visit them at superyaki.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I dot C-O-M. So, hem, hem, hem. We watched Bell Book and Candle, which was directed by Richard Quinn, or Quine, I'm not sure, Q-U-I-N-E. And it was written by Daniel Teradash and adapted from the play by John Van Druten. And more importantly, um, it starred James Stewart, Kim Novak, Jack Lemmon, Ernie Kovacs, and a whole list of other really wonderful character actors. Mm-hmm. And you're going to remember James Stewart and Kim Novak from Vertigo fame. Also James Stewart of It's a Wonderful Life fame. Uh, and It's a Wonderful Life, set in Christmas time. This movie, also set in Christmas time, but it's about as much of, of a Christmas movie as like Die Hard is considered a Christmas movie. Yeah, absolutely. The spine of Bell, Book, and Candle is that a modern-day witch likes her neighbor, but despises his fiance, so she enchants him to love her instead. Ooh! Ooh. <laughs> Spooky Christmas! Spooky Christmas, and we're set in New York City, we're in Manhattan, so magic in Manhattan. Um, and the book, or the play slash the movie's name, Bell, Book, and Candle, is an allusion to a phrase that is ref- uh, about exercising witches in medieval times, which is involving the ringing of a bell, the closing of a book, and the quenching of a candle. And uh, we should we should mention, although it's it's probably pretty obvious from their billing, um, James Stewart plays the neighbor, and Kim Novak plays the modern day witch. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, and then uh, I guess we should just start with giving maybe our. Let's do each of us our own personal synopsis, and then let's throw out some thoughts, how we felt about the movie. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Um, I can go first, since I suggested it, uh, and it'll give <laughs> you some time to, to adapt to the new, the new plan. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. So let me look at my notes real quick. I'll put down the phone. All right, so we have two characters. We have a modern-day witch named Gillian, goes by Gil for short. Uh, her friends and associates, brother Nikki neighbor Queenie, and we have Shepard. Shepard is James Stewart, uh, the neighbor. So Gillian is looking for a good time. She wants to hang out with a man friend. She decides to go with Shepard, and to do that, she casts a love spell on him. But oh no, she actually falls in love. Um, meanwhile, her brother Nikki is trying to publish a book about witches, and they butt heads, Gil and Nikki. So eventually, Gil says, Nikki, you can't publish that book, and Nikki storms off angry, and then it turns out that Gil wants to marry um, Shepard, but in order to do so, she must tell him about her past as a witch, and then this leads to all kinds of conflict between Gil and Shep, and eventually, Shep uh, has to go to another witch, get the curse removed, and moves out of the building that they both live in together, and then they part ways, but it turns out Gil has fallen in love so much that she has lost her powers, and she cannot be a witch again. And at the very end of the movie, they reconcile. Uh, Gil shows that she truly does love him because she lost her powers, which is... I don't know what kind of message that sends. And then they uh, end up together. Yep. And it's a... It's a wonderful life. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I have that much more to add to your synopsis, really. Because I think that pretty well covered it. um, Except to say that uh, Gil... Gil... Um, is intent on Shep from the start, but once she finds out that he is engaged to her college nemesis, um, they went to Wellesley together, and this girl who was her doormate, like, wrote a letter to the dean saying that Gil walked around without shoes on and got her in trouble, uh, Gil decided to terrorize her with thunderstorms? I don't know. But anyway, 
they had a rivalry and something really unpleasant between them, some bad blood. So when she learns that this man that she has just found to be cute is engaged to her nemesis, she decides to steal him. And um, it's... <sighs> Listening to you summarize this plot and the, the part about like writing the book and stuff like that, <laughs> I, it just makes me realize even more than when I was watching it that there are a lot of things left kind of explained and just like in there for not very specific reasons like not all the dots totally connect yeah um, in my opinion yeah like I want to publish a book okay <laughs> yeah and they randomly now have this author friend that on a whim it seems they had summoned from Mexico but now he just lives here with them in Manhattan yeah, and, uh, yeah, they, like, enchanted him, they summoned him, he doesn't quite know why he's there, except to have to get Shep, who is a, a publisher, to publish his new book on, on witchcraft. Okay. Um, and they don't really do anything much with him, like, his, his life being disrupted is never really investigated or explained. It's just kind of like, ooh, look at all these little wacky things that happen. Um, yeah. And somebody, like, really seriously manipulating another person that she barely knows. Yeah, and, and to dive right into it, the way that magic manifests in this movie feels very, very different, I think, than Charmed. Because she's cast this very powerful love spell where this, this guy is now fully head over heels in love with her. Like, he was supposed to get married the following day, and he just calls off the wedding and devotes his life now to this woman who he has just met. Um, but when they address it later on in the movie, it's like he, he, it doesn't feel to him like a sudden thing. Like to him, there were things in his world that made it seem to make sense. And they even have like a quote that kind of refers to this at the very end where they're like, oh, well, what is magic anyways? Like maybe it was love all along. And I think that's very different than how it's framed in Charmed, which is very much like magic is a, like, uh, they had like an infatuation spell, I think, for one episode of Charmed, and that was very mm -hmm. false, very fake, and those feelings were nowhere near real. Whereas in this uh, movie, I think they approached it differently. Very differently, yeah. Magic in, in Charmed does teach moral lessons, for sure, but it does, it seems to follow a kind of logic of uh, do unto others, kind of. Um, and also, like, no personal gain is, right. is the biggest thing. Right, good point. Whereas, whereas in this, it's, it's kind of like, no, you can gain all you want. That's totally fine, actually. That's super cool. Do, do whatever. There are not necessarily going to be consequences unless <laughs> you fall in love. <laughs> like, that's the number one thing you can't do. Um, it's, it's, it's very explicit, and it starts as kind of a myth. Um, and also there's a, there's a lot of like odd mythology that's kind of thrown in there about what witches are and aren't like a witch can never cry and mm -hmm. a witch can't blush. That was, that was a funny thing. I was like, are they vampires? <laughs> yeah. Well, they kept saying like witches aren't human, which yeah, sure. And I think they say that too in Charmed, but you still mm -hmm. feel very much like the characters in Charmed are people. Yeah, in Charmed, it's like half and half. Mm -hmm. um, in, and and it's explained in the way that, uh, you know, people are, are their powers are, are bound in order to allow them to be safe in this world, to grow up without fear and to assimilate, essentially. Whereas in Bell, Book, and Candle... It, it, there seem to be two parallel worlds living side by side and, mm -hmm. and sometimes crossing over into one another. Like, there's never really an explanation of Gil going to Wellesley. Like, why <laughs> where, Why did she go to college? What did she major in? Anthropology. She said, she does say that. Oh, okay, I missed it. <laughs> She's, she says she was an anthropology major, which I found yeah. to be very funny. Um. I also know anthro majors who uh are witches are yes are witches who uh who just like collect 
art from cultures they've never been actually personally involved with. Oh, anyway. yeah, 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 you're right. Her her shop, her place of business ha- is basically a museum. Yeah, basically. It's an African art store, um, which is very predictable, I think, for the time it's set in, but is also very strange. It's never... That is also never really explained. Yeah. It's just kind of related to her anthropology interest. Well, and when she loses her powers... She gives it up to have a, a florist yes, store? Yes, like, Yeah. Good point. To become a florist. The, the way I read it was that witches are this other thing. So they were trying to look for things that were very distinctly um, considered other in American life. Mm-hmm. So African totems and artifacts. Yes. Othering themselves. Pretty Interesting. Much. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying, though. There was kind of, like, a certain vibe where it was two parallel worlds, kind of like in Harry Potter, where they have the wizarding world that's just, like, slightly hidden from the muggle world. But then, mm-hmm. like you also said, it's, like, charmed, where humans and witches are basically one and the same, and witches just go to college. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I just think that's the funniest thing about it. It's, <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't have thought that a, a witch needed to go to college. And especially in this world where they seem to be able to operate almost solely within their own circles. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say, I can't believe a witch would need to go to college, especially in this economy. Oh, yeah. That might have been funnier. (laughs) No, I was very serious, Bryce. (laughs) Um, My favorite part about this movie were all of the quotes. I think I have some really good knee slappers in there. Some of them are kind of like, a little bit poignant and make you think a bit like that last one about what is magic really could it have been love all along but then there are other ones that are just so so silly like uh, there's this opening line where James Stewart is trying to get to his phone or he's trying to like shoo away Queenie the friend of um, Gil and he's like get out of here I need to do some telephoning personal telephoning (laughs) this is this is a movie that is rife with uh, one-liners that'll make you want to go, why, yeah, you want to. Yeah. Yeah, very, very quotable. And and very much a time capsule. Mm-hmm. One more good line that I really enjoyed was when Gil gave Nikki a Christmas present, and it was a bunch of records, and Nikki was like, wow, this is amazing. Did you witch it, or did you pay for it? <laughs> yeah, what do, what do we call any of this? Witching. <laughs> You, you witch it. Yeah, you just gotta yeah, witch it. I thought something that was very interesting because there's so many, there are so many funny one-liners, and there are a lot of funny instances of, of these actors really hamming things up, um, but they're all kind of doing it in their very, like, separate ways. Like they're all playing exactly in the way they want to play, and it's. I think it's important to note that this movie was late in the careers of all of them. Of of uh, of James Stewart and of Kim Novak and Jack Lemmon and Ernie Kovacs, they were already all extremely well established actors in their own right. So this movie kind of felt like a fan cast. It was it was like the director said, "I just love all these actors, and I just want to work with them." Oh, that's really fun. It, yeah, which which would be super fun, but it also makes for some kind of awkward chemistry. Not not only romantic chemistry, but just Jack Lemmon and Kim Novak seem to be in kind of completely different movies. Mm-hmm. In in my opinion, when I'm watching them together, like Kim Novak doesn't even make eye contact with Jack Lemmon in some in some of these scenes. Yeah, they're very much supposed to be siblings, but they don't act like they grew up together. Not at all. Kim Novak is in her own kind of like spiritually rem- like elevated um mysterious kind of uh ethereal world Mm -hmm. and jack lemon is playing the bongos (laughs) yeah you're right he's playing the bongos and the one scene where they're trying to um put the fear of god into um james stewart's 
previous fiance at the at the club Zodiac. He, his, the bongo player, Nikki, the brother, and his fellow band members just get close to her and just like personally victimize her with two trumpets, a bongo, and a guitar. <laughs> and she's very affected by it. I know. <laughs> it was quite a scene. Yeah, that that was pretty funny. It's like there's some really serious things that ha- like very spooky kind of things that happen um but still you know still a little campy mm. and then there's and then there's jack lemon and ernie kovacs actually as well ernie kovacs as the author who is summoned from mexico mm-hmm. yeah is go on sorry. also quite he's quite goofy right i i actually and, really like ugh, sorry i keep interrupting you oh that's okay don't worry about it were you about to say you really liked him? Yeah, but I want to let you finish your thought. Yeah, no, I also did. I really enjoyed when Jack Lemon and Ernie Kovacs are on screen together, they seem like they're in a little buddy movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. They seem a lot more natural acting together than they do when they're in this, like, drama that is the overly romantic James Stewart and Kim, and Kim Novak. Exactly. And it's so interesting because, so James Stewart and Kim Novak being paired up in Vertigo, of course, is something incredibly iconic, um, but it was something that was talked a lot about because James Stewart kind of broke his Good Samaritan lead, uh, stereo- or not stereotype, his archetype, um, to play this obsessive kind of going mad uh romantically pursuing someone he should not uh just almost anti-hero in vertigo Mm. so that was a really big deal for a lot of reasons but but that that was one of them and then to put him in this movie again with the pairing of kim novak is really funny because he kind of goes back to his good guy sort of charade but but now He's kind of manic and hammy, and like there, there are a couple of instances where, for instance, when he's being taken to the other witch to have the love spell removed, and she makes him this potion to drink uh, that will mm-hmm. help him break free of this this spell. It, it's like a minute long. Yeah, <laughs> his lips pursing out to take a sip. And quivering yeah. and, and almost drinking it and his eyes going really wide. All the while she off screen is, is saying, drink it. And he's like, almost drinking it, but no. Drink it. Almost drinking it, but no. And and then as he starts to drink it, drink the whole thing, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's just a silly, silly scene. So it, it feels like Kim Novak being in this and how the director kind of treated her Mm -hmm. separates this from the -the over-the-top hamminess comedy that it could have been the whole way through. Hot take, but I actually really get what you're saying. Like, as a character, I just thought that this was kind of her vibe, but she sets the tone for the movie every time she's in the scene. Mm-hmm. And it's a different and tone. it gets it gets more dramatic with her. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does because she's the person who uh, who decides to instigate a lot of the action and who it takes takes her vengeance very seriously but also gleefully um, kind of maliciously. So it's it's just interesting to see all of these different actors paired up because I think, if it were not Kim Novak, it would have been more of a farce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I definitely see what you're saying. And it is billed as, like, a romantic comedy, so it would have been an overly just, I don't know, silly Christmas fluff if it wasn't for this brooding uh, lover who is in tears by the end of the movie. Yeah brooding cape wearing um eyebrows painted on dramatically yeah i couldn't look away from her eyebrows i was like they're they're magnificent yeah they really really are shana um, and mm. yes no wait what were you gonna say first oh okay 
Um, what I was going to say is that I I feel like I could enjoy this movie. Um, just like straight up enjoy it if I wasn't watching it critically. Mm-hmm. And I could just take all of its kind of silliness and its kind of weirdly staged scenes in stride. Like the, the blocking of some of the scenes is, is very strange. Um, and just enjoy it. I think that's very possible. But I think because we're watching it for this podcast, I just noticed these discrepancies. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I wonder. I, I feel as though I should have looked into the production history of how this was cast and, and you know, if there are any stories to be found behind that. Mm-hmm. If, if there's anything that we're good at, it's overanalyzing something where there is no analysis to be needed. Um, yes. But we've been kind of going around about some of the thoughts you've been having and you've mentioned like I was looking at it critically so I have thoughts which is why I wanted to ask you I feel like you got some hot takes some of which have already been spilled but let's hear let's hear a really good summation hot take about this movie from you oh god a really good one does it have to be okay just the first one that comes to mind (laughs) the cat is the star of the movie true that oh we didn't even go into there is a cute ass little cat so awesome and so cute and amazing and apparently like the most powerful player in this whole thing it is revealed like the cat starts the drama and then the cat ends it as well yeah Um, but that my my first hot take is that Piwacket the cat is super cute and a great actor that's not a hot take I know it's an ice cold take, but I, I thought we needed to say it. Um, also, just uh, my my roommates have a cat, a black cat mm. named Piwacket. Oh no um, way! Yes, and I didn't put any of the pieces together until I started watching this movie. Like, not even when I cho- when we chose this movie, but when it started, and there was Kim Novak and a cat, and I was like, wait a minute. Because I knew Piwacket was named after a cat that Kim Novak had, but I had no idea that it was in this movie. So there's Piwacket, you know, our cat. We think things are coincidences, but then what is magic after all? But love and but... cats. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. I, I'm very happy about this uh, serendipity because I looked up, I was like, wow, Piwacket is such a weird name. And I looked it up and apparently Piwacket in this movie is named after the so there was a real well in quotes a real witch who was persecuted back in like 1500s or something in england and she was said to have a familiar named piwacket so they named this piwacket after that piwacket and then your piwacket at home is named after this piwacket who's named after that piwacket it's just a long line of piwackets piwackets pies they're so cute they're all scoop any cat named piwacket has to be cute this is true this is a rule. That's a hot um, take. That's a that's my hot take. Um, okay, so oh, here's here's a very small hot take. Um, there's a point at which uh, James Stewart's character breaks up with his fiance, and he goes into his office, and his his secretary is asking him about things. Did you want this sent here? Did you want dinner? Whatever with this person, and he says, uh, you know what? don't send the negligee to the fiance's <laughs> house. Uh, why not have it sent to your house? Can't let a good negligee go to waste. And I, <laughs> the things I thought about that were like, I, okay, I guess it's nice, but also like, wow, how wildly inappropriate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was, woof. Oh, woof. That, that did not go over any of our heads. We were all like, mm, I don't want your boss to be sending you negligee. Yeah, exactly. It's something that, I guess in a, in a movie at that time, nobody would have batted an eye. But now, I was like, oh, well, rewind. Yeah. Rewind. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, another hot take is that the, the way that magic is aesthetically done in this movie, ooh, utterly ridiculous. Oh my god. Okay. Ah, sorry. I hit my nose against my pop filter because I was too excited. But, 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 but I also want to share this, this moment with you because I, when they were in um, Miss, Mrs. DePass's house 
and she was making the potion and every ingredient that she dropped in the potion was like the most wacky sound effect like blah 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 it was just too much yeah exactly exactly like that not even joking there was there was a point where she used like an eyedropper to squeeze out some droplets of things and put it in the potion whatever and it goes <laughs> and then she turns away and then she kind of like raises her eyebrows and like slowly comes back <laughs> to the cauldron to do another <laughs> I just it was so silly it was so silly that's another thing that makes me think this this might have been more cohesive um, if it were played in the same way mm-hmm. by all of the actors mm-hmm. but in in that sort of like overly comical way mm. but you know it was it was still enjoyable but no that happened there was a point at which oh this is completely inexplicable um, but Jack Lemon's character the brother he is tasked with making sure that this author played by Ernie Kovacs uh, does not get onto the scent of all the real witches in New York City. <laughs> and uh, in, instead of dissuading him, uh, which you think he's going to do, because he goes, oh yeah, I'll walk with you to this place where a witch might be. Instead of dissuading the author, he instead immediately is like, no, no, let me show you what it actually is. Plot made <laughs> Look, no I'm, sense. I'm a, I'm a warlock. Look, I can show you. And I'm all I can think is that it's because Jack Lemon wanted to do some like fun witchy stuff. Mm. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's the original play too. I I don't know. I'm just I can only operate off of the assumption of this movie. But also the way he did things is like they desaturated his his character and then like brought it back up. So that that was happening and then he did some like like marching band conducting mm-hmm. with his hands mm-hmm. and and uh the sounds would be those same like or like like something completely ridiculous and then something would happen like as he's showing the author no he's the warlock the way he does that is they find a couple in a car that's making out and he goes and then the car horn spontaneously starts honking. Um, which actually, it seemed like it could have been honking anyway because they were, like, making out and pressed up against the wheel. Which, I was like, I, I don't know if this is the best way to show someone, to prove to someone who is not necessarily believing that you're a warlock. But anyway. But just stuff like that. It was It was so, so ridiculous. And even when it was supposed to be played seriously like with kim novak when she's like casting her love spell it was really silly and it was really funny like she takes piwacket in her arms and like presses her his presses his face to her face mm-hmm. and the uh she's spotlit um and the, the poor cat is spotlit too i was like oh no this cat probably doesn't want light in his eyes like this they're spotlit by a very very like pale blue gel and it's this intense like Mm -hmm. like she's casting a spell meanwhile uh james stewart just keeps talking (laughs) he's just pattering in the background (laughs) just pattering in the background thinking he's allergic to the cat Mm -hmm. you're right it's silly and it's totally mismatched. This like, oh well, you know, and I just said this to you know this person, and yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And and then it goes cuts back and forth between that and a, and she's like not blinking, and the cat's not blinking. Silly, yeah, silly, silly, silly. Completely mismatched. It's over the top magic, which, to bring it back to Charmed, it does happen sometimes in Charmed. I'm thinking about True. like the way these demons look, the way that they're, the way that they talk. You know what? You're right. But I do think that the Charmed Ones portrayals of it often get a lot more kind of leeway to react to how silly something is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, go on. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and I mean, Charmed in some ways is a sitcom, so it's allowed to be a little bit broad. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I kind of wish that this was too, but also at the same time, I really don't mind it because we get to enjoy some silliness. Yeah. And and the utter mismatch of things like that. Yeah. One thing, okay, so to bring it back to that scene where it was um, Kim Novak and her cat, and it was just, like, this focus on her face and on the cat's face and this, like, very loud humming background noise, um, I became really aware then about, like, how weirdly colored her eyes are. Like, not badly colored, beautifully colored, but, like, so interesting, like, a greenish, kind of hazelish kind of thing. And then later on, when we cut to um, James Stewart in... Uh, Miss Mrs. DeGrasse's place and he's like getting the potion to uh, un- uncurse himself his eyes are like extremely blue and I was like whoa how do we make people's oh, yeah. eyes look this popping technicolor um, baby technicolor baby but also I okay so in the credits there was a guy named James Wong and I was like Wong's me I'm Wong so I looked him up James Wong was the director of uh, photography for this movie, and apparently he was actually really well known for his time. So he, um, some of his technological achievements included like deep shadows, low cuts, things that like were very well known in film noir. But also he developed a technique using black velvet that would really make blue eyes pop. Because apparently, film at that time, most times blue eyes or just light colored eyes would be very washed out and things like reds would be very pronounced and deepened. So it was hard to get the correct effect. Um, so he's known for that, which was heavily on display in this film. But um, I was also really interested in him because his Wikipedia bio said that he's from Guangzhou, China, which is probably mispronounced by me. But that's where that's where um, some of my family members came from. Oh, um, my God. I know. We're the one and the same. No, I'm just kidding. It's like a huge province. But... Um, it, like, he has a very interesting life. So I just kind of read through his bio for a bit, and he married a white woman. Um, their marriage was not recognized in the U.S. until the 40s because of the Chinese Exclusion Act. And then when the 50s came around, his wife was uh, persecuted for perhaps un-American activities. So she left and went to Mexico to um, save James from being under such scrutiny as well. And it's just, uh, it's really inspiring to hear about how he really helped revolutionize the field of cinematography. He brought other minority cinematographers underneath his um, wing and taught them and gave them a platform as well. And um, that's all I have to say about this man. That's amazing. Wow. I'm so glad you did that research. Thank you. Well, research is, is a strong word for it. I'm so glad you Wikipedia'd. Thank you. It sounds like he had a very interesting life. I also recognized his name um, just just from him having shot many other movies. Mm. And I was like, oh, right, I should bring this up on the podcast. But I'm glad that you did it first because I did not have any of that information. Well, Wikipedia has it all. All right, Bryce Wong. Cousins with James <laughs> Wong. Um... Do we have anything else we want to say? We can wrap up the podcast. I feel like we're getting towards a good stopping point. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. Okay. So uh, one thing I do want to mention is Zodiac, which is a setting for the hottest witches nightclub, or apparently it's just a dive bar, but it looks very fancy. And there are a lot of very funny things going around it. And uh, one of one of the funniest is, of course, Jack Lemon inexplicably playing the bongos but uh also to get into this club you have to tell the doorman (laughs) what your sign is oh so prescient it was it was so good sign of the fish um apparently james stewart's character is is a pisces and so the guy the the doorman says ah yes (laughs) It's favorable today for you to come into the club. It's like, mm, wow, it's a very interesting screening process you have going on there. Uh, can you imagine if any of the other clubs operating today worked like that? Right. And uh, it would, I mean, it would probably be one of the, the hottest queer bars in Brooklyn. You are absolutely likely correct. It probably is happening somewhere or was happening yeah. pre-pandemic. That's true. I mean, there was a lovely bar, Mood Ring, that would do uh, Zodiac and Horoscope-themed drinks. That was fun. Mm. But um, maybe we should, should we should suggest that to them. 
Yeah. Uh, screening at the door. <laughs> Please turn away your customers if they are not Pisces. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. No problem. And you... Um, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Ah, uh, you were going to mention the wacky inflatable waving arm guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, the One of the most popular performers that New York City's witch scene apparently has ever hired is a, a Frenchman who will sing very rapidly in French while waving his whole body about... <laughs> Oh, he's he's the vibe that I want to have. Yep, same. It goes on for a very long time. A very long too. time. He's very talented. Very, very, very talented. There are just a lot of things in this movie that seem to have been thrown in there and then mm. not really integrated into the fabric of the story. It's, it's going to happen. It's like you said, a lot of things are just inexplicable. Yeah, and maybe it was love all along. <gasps> Maybe that's it. I mean, obviously, I take issue with the ending. Right. If you like. Yeah. Whatever. It was made in 1958. It wasn't going to make sense. But also that movie, that ending happens now, still, in current wintery holiday movies, rom-coms. Oh, like a certain movie we both just watched. The Sappiest Season. Sappiest Season. Happiest Season, in which... Everything is made better in the last two minutes of the film because of love. Yeah. You know, love doesn't have to be the answer. (laughs) You know what? Sometimes it is magic. (laughs) Sometimes it is. Yeah. So, I don't know. The whole storyline about her falling in love and all her powers being removed because of it is... um, very upsetting yeah poor messaging like what does that mean that because i think it's trying to make the metaphor that uh magic is a shield so like when you get rid of your magic you can become vulnerable and open to love but i was thinking of it like well magic is your sense of self and it's your 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 culture or something like along those lines your power your self-empowerment yeah exactly i was definitely thinking of it in the sort of feminist reading (laughs) um (laughs) Which is, of course, the most obvious reading, which is, well, if you want to be with a man, you have to lose all of your agency. Yeah. It's it's a very tough ending to get behind. Yeah. But if you can watch the rest... Well, if you can set yourself up to watch this movie just in the kind of way of, you know what, this is going to be pretty wacky and silly, and it's a Christmas witch movie from the 50s, then I think you'll have a good time. I mean, you got me with just that synopsis, and I was like, let's watch it, and we ended up watching it. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't too bad, but I will say that I'm very excited to go back to Charmed. Okay, we'll be doing that in the new year, so this will be our episode to cap out the 2020 explosion, and yep. we'll be joining you for more Charmed in 2021. I, I thought you were going to say, okay, and we'll be doing that in five, four, three... <laughs> Okay, well, that's that's about all I have. Uh, do we want to talk about a demon death? Um, choose some. Just choose one. Okay, okay. Well, this isn't really a demon dying, but I personally found it very sad that she had to lose uh, Piwacket because she wasn't magical anymore, and so her cat doesn't belong to her anymore. Um, so I guess the death of a friendship... I would rate it very highly because it was devastating. Five out of five Jeremy's. Wow. That's the highest we've ever had. It was horrible. Okay. This is, we're going to have to just consider this a special and not integrate it into the rest of the podcast because that's just skewing the whole system. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. It's too um, heavily weighted. Okay. So I I will say then uh, my, my, my demon death would be how I would... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the demon death was the death of my attention span oh. when they mentioned a witch being able to float oh. in water. <laughs> oh. And suddenly all I could think about was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> And the scene, <laughs> the scene that's bad, which better? 
what what else floats? Little tiny rocks. <laughs> um, apples. <laughs> a duck. A duck. <laughs> and that's that's all. They lost me there. They just lost me there. So I would say uh, five out of five Jeremy's. They killed Shayna. <laughs> Bell, book, and candle, and a duck. And a duck. And a duck. And a parrot. Oh, the parrot was very disturbing. Yeah. Just yelling German. I don't want people to be yelling German at me. Oh, oh my God. No, no, thank you. I don't want people to be yelling anything at me. I'm very fragile. Yeah, this is very true. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this movie? Jeez Louise. Um, well, there was a moment where I kind of tuned out of the movie and they went from being in Kim Novak's apartment, like she had just enchanted him, to suddenly being on top of the Flatiron building. And James Stewart was in this, like, uh, uh, drunk state where he was like, oh, how do we get here? Like, what just happened? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, same. I did not pay attention. Why are we here? And I kept thinking that they would explain. And Kim Novak obliged. She gave me all the exposition I needed. And that's my final thought. (laughs) Oh, man. I forgot about that part. Oh, you know what? I'll have my final thought related to that, too. Okay. Which is that... Even in a movie that might not be all that good, there are still moments of incredible beauty. Um, in that scene in which uh, Kim Novak is explaining how they got to the top of the Flatiron building, uh, in a fit of uncontrollable joy, James Stewart throws his hat off the top <laughs> of the building. Oh, yeah. And, and the camera follows the hat as it it whizzes through the sky and then eventually eventually comes to the ground and it just it follows it so beautifully that you almost don't think the hat is moving until the scenery comes up behind it um and i think just that that one shot was something that must have been incredibly hard to do and was almost like a little moment of joy and peace in an otherwise extremely chaotic movie. What the freaking heck? That's the best final thought to close out our podcast episodes of the year 2020. There we go. There we go. Do you ever feel like, like a James Stewart's <laughs> hat? <sighs> Drifting through the wind? Yeah, yeah. I, too, would like the gentle caress of a, a cinematographer. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. James okay, Wong himself. Well, thank you. Thank you, James. That's all we got. Um, I'm Shayna. <laughs> you can find me, but I don't know why you would. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find me. <laughs> that voice. <laughs> but I don't know why you would. Uh, Jack Levin and Ernie Kovacs are rubbing <laughs> off on me. <laughs> um, you can find me at Bernadette Teeters on Instagram, at Bernie Teeters on Twitter, which is, that's new. Um, and who are you, Bryce? Who is me? I talk much. I am Bryce. <laughs> you can find me at Your Best Bryce on Instagram. Um, and you can also find my finished foodstagram on Instagram as well. And that is where I post pictures of food that has been finished. I don't know what you expected. Oh, uh, and I forgot to say, uh, before I tell you where you can find this podcast, um, I was recently on a podcast called The Film Stage Show. And if you want to check out me being a guest star for once, you could do that. Again, why would you? I'm not sure. But um, I am over there for their episode discussing Happiest Season. It was a great, great episode. It was such a joy to hear you talk so eloquently about so much stuff. Um, I learned a lot. Wow. So if you want to change from from this, (laughs) you want to learn something, (laughs) turn this off right now. Um, But anyway, yeah, the film stage show, you, you can find that wherever you find podcasts. And you can find us at Charmed Spellcast on Instagram, and you can write to us charmed spellcast at gmail.com thank you so so much for listening Mm, goodbye and good night and happy whatever (laughs) (laughs) hanukkah linda 
aquí Ocho candelas para mí Hanukkah linda está aquí Ocho candelas para mí Oh, uno candelica Dos candelicas Tres candelicas Cuatro candelicas, cinco candelicas, seis candelicas, siete candelicas, ocho candelas para mí. Muchas fiestas voy a hacer con alegría y placer. Muchas fiestas voy a hacer con alegría y placer. Oh, una candelica, dos candelicas, tres candelicas, cuatro candelicas, cinco candelicas, seis candelicas, siete candelicas, ocho candelas para mí. Los pastelicos voy a comer. Y la miel, los pastelicos voy a comer con la mendrica y la miel. Oh, una candelica, dos candelicas, tres candelicas, cuatro candelicas, cinco candelicas, seis Siete candelicas, ocho candeles para mí. Oh, una candelica, dos candelicas, tres candelicas, cuatro candelicas, cinco candelicas, seis candelicas, siete candelicas. Ocho candelas para mí. You've been listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media, audio for everyone.